So as we've talked about every week, and this is our last week in this class, I want to strongly encourage you to build a friendship with another Christian couple or two or three that could partner with you not only in friendship, but in helping each other with your marriages. It's so valuable to have somebody to go to so that you're not tempted to keep your problems hidden from the world, keeping them to yourselves. Because a lot of times by keeping your problems to yourselves, you guys know the problems can just get worse. It's so good to have somebody that you can go to, the two of you, you know, and um, it's been really helpful to many of the couples here. So um, can you guys see the good, good. So we are going to uh, watch episode six of uh, the Sacred Marriage series. This is called The Laboratory of Love. Okay, I'm going to uh, switch over to the uh, slideshow with some questions on it. But does anybody have any initial responses, any initial comments or questions, in particular comments, uh, uh, to the video we just watched? According to Gary, can you see that? Yeah. Neurologists have discovered that the average woman processes complex emotional data up to seven times faster than the average man. Man, What challenges might this bring to a marriage? And how have you seen this live itself out in your own marriage? <laughs> Brother says, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, Dave. I can just say that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what it explains it is it, it as an example we've had a time a long time ago in early in marriage where something wasn't going right and I don't even remember what it was but she wanted to sit down and talk about it and so she's talking and explaining and is like waiting on an answer <laughs> like face to face I'm waiting on an answer I'm like uh, I don't have an answer and, and honestly, it probably, I had to just think about it and kind of like, whether it was rudely or right or whatever, but it's like, just stop. You know, we had to stop and then I had to process it and it took a while. And it was probably the next day before I really had an answer that was even co comprehensive, you know, what I mean? or anything that was, that made any sense at all. It took me a while to just Got figure it. out what was going on. I have a, I have a good friend whose wife, um, got him a chart on emotions and they came with emoji faces so it's, it's funny but the, the husband was all about it because he knows that his wife was right he, he can't even name some of his emotions like I'm feeling something but I don't exactly know what it is and he said literally having a chart of emotions would be Oh, that's the one, and my face usually looks like that in the mirror when I feel that. And so I do, I do think for a lot of men, it could be a journey, like just, you know, getting in touch with your feelings and what you're thinking about things. Anybody else on this? Yes? I think the challenge with this is that if you don't have this knowledge, it can come across mm. as indifference and um, just not caring. So if you come off as this person is indifferent, they're selfish, and they don't care. Because mm -hmm. in the moment, as a woman, you're feeling something, you're sharing something, and you want a response. And you're not thinking, oh, I'm just processing a lot quicker than them. You're just thinking, okay, so you don't even care to respond to how I'm feeling right now. And 
and then so it's okay, you don't care then. And what for me, I'm a shutdown. I do not argue. I'm not yelling. I'm not screaming. We're we're not arguing. I am a okay. You don't want to talk about it. We just won't talk about it. Mm. And then I'm just done with it, and we just move on. But I'm still, you know, I'm because because you, you you didn't say anything. So I, learning and seeing this, and it just you know it just makes sense. It's like oh. This makes so much sense mm-hmm. right now. It makes so much sense because my husband does take a little bit longer to process, but in my mind, I'm not thinking that he just needs time to process. My thinking is he just wants to avoid the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to respond to this with a viewpoint. I'm going to take a risk and share a viewpoint between men and women. If you guys disagree with me, that's okay. But... Um, I think that a lot of times men are more goal-oriented and women are more relationship-oriented. And so a lot of times men are thinking about, how am I doing on my job? Who's playing each other in the football or the basketball game or whatever? Their their focus is on achievement and goals. And, And literally, I think some of what you fear is the truth. And that is, maybe they don't initially care about the emotional side of things and they have to learn to care about it. Pam, I've already said this several times in this class, Pam has had to teach me how to love her because I didn't know, you know, and that it's a journey. And so I think a lot of times men may seem like they don't care because they initially don't, not because they don't love you, but because they're just not used to being oriented that way. And I think a wife has to say, we're in a relationship here, in a relationship, be willing to think relationally. So I don't know how you feel about that viewpoint, but that's my perspective on that. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I think this, this, this question relates to uh, a D group that we had last night with my brother Rob was in that D group and he shared a, a great chart with the men in the group. He talked about that a lot of times men's emotions are like an iceberg and most of the emotions, fear, whatever, whatever, is under the water. But the only emotion that stays above the water is anger. Right. And so everything that they fear that they feel rather it could be sadness it could be whatever but it comes out as anger because we're not in touch with our emotions a lot of times yeah that's great that's great i think man's initial usually a man's initial reaction to fear is anger that's how he deals with it not always but often so any other thoughts on this idea yes phil well the second part of this uh how do you see this lived out in your marriage um i mean with me, it, it comes up a lot uh, with Stacy, um, and I've learned that if it's if I've had a a rough day or it's a part of the day where I just need some time to kind of settle and get to a better place with whatever has happened, I just have to tell her, hey, I need a moment. I need some time. I need some time. You know, she's asking a question if it's something about you know, dinner or whatever, wherever you want, want to go or, or whatever that's going on. And sometimes it might be multiple things. I've learned that the quiet approach and not saying things, she'll, you know, that gets her, ups- will get her upset. So I've, I've had to learn to, hey, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I just need a little bit of time to kind of circle back on this. Mm-hmm. Is, that o- yeah. is that okay? Can I have like 10, 20 minutes or whatever? And then, you know, we kind of go from there. And that has helped yeah, and I, I think you're speaking to something that's even bigger than this, and that is that I, it's my view that like married couples have to learn each other. 
You just got to learn how the other pe person ticks. And sometimes they're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to ignore you. They're not trying to be callous. They just communicate in a different way. And you guys, it's a dance. Like you guys have to get used to how each other moves, you know, figuratively speaking. Yeah, Michael. And the guys are all doing the talking. This is pretty, pretty, pretty good. The men are stuffing up here. Go ahead, Mike. I was thinking about what you said and someone else said. Um, in reference to <clears throat> making that connection, it, it takes me a while to process my, my feelings. And I really appreciate my wife. A lot of times she kind of helps me to identify feeling words because I don't use feeling words to <laughs> describe the situation or whatever but um, the part that you were mentioning about, like uh, caring, I, um, I think it, um, I, I agree with the part that we need to be taught to know what to care for. Because at the current time, for me personally, um, I don't know what I'm feeling, and I don't even know what I should be feeling. You know, and it, and it takes a while to process because I'm like, what's happening? Uh, if I do feel something, I don't even know what it is, you know, and then we, you know, need to process and it usually takes a while to, you know, maybe after prayer and, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe hours later or probably the following day, then, then I make a connection. But, um, but I think that's something that we definitely, well, I know I definitely need practice and training to continue to identify when it comes to emotion. Amen. You know, I'm just realizing the Bible has a lot of stuff in it about emotions. You know, it has stuff about fear and about anger and about shame and about guilt and a lot of other things. So I'm encouraged that the scriptures are like a relationship toolbox, you know. So any other comments before we move on to the next question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny because I guess I'm, I'm the complex one in our marriage where it's really hard for me to um, express my emotions and he's right there knowing what he feels 24-7 and it's really hard for me. Um, so it can be reversed sometimes. Exactly. Okay. So um, sometimes um, he has helped me understand like how to be more sensitive because I'm definitely more really Hmm. I appreciate you being open about that too. So it's not always the guy who's like, okay, I'm glad to hear that. All right. My marriage, my marriage is reversed. Also, yeah. Feeling what she's got. Got it. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, when a couple realizes that much of what they had hoped to get out of their marriage relationship turned out to be a mirage, what possible courses of action are available to them? How have you seen people respond when they came to the understanding that their marriage would not provide all they had dreamed that it would? So uh, what possible courses of action are available and um, how people responded when they realized that marriage was not going to make every last dream come true? Any comments on this? Yes. Um, it's not healthy, but uh, shut down, right? <clears throat> so you just shut down because you don't really have the tools and don't quite understand that this is not a Hallmark channel and you know, this is not, you know, 
this is real life, so I think yeah. shut down is not a great um, response, but that's a, a, a natural yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. You know, something I really appreciate about this whole series is he seems to be encouraging us to not give up. You know, when it gets difficult to push through it, but I, I'm sure everybody, include me, has done the silent treatment thing when it's just, when you don't know where, what to do next. So anything else on this? How do people respond when they realize not all their dreams are going to come true in this relationship? Yes. Certainly, uh, a, a lot of routes. For me, I opted forgiveness, but it, it took a lot. There was, there was certainly anger and blame in the first part. So not because of me, but through God and the Holy Spirit, I would say, I opted forgiveness in the first. And then in the second, I think it helped us really come to understand that it wasn't going to be in our marriage, but that it was through Christ mm. that things would be what we dreamed of. Mm. So it, 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 but that's a long story made short, right? <laughs> and again, through through God's blessing, that we could respond now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. The power of forgiveness. Wow. Yeah, Anna. Yeah. Um, I have to. Well. I have been married before, so I learned what I did not want in a second marriage, and it made me very grateful when I married Sal. So one of the things that helped me helps me a lot because I tend to be very demanding sometimes, and no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I realized that I had to kind of categorize what were the negotiables and non-negotiables. So, yeah, maybe he didn't cook for me, but he's faithful. And because, and because my the spiritual and moral principles became more important, I was willing to give up the things that he wouldn't do for me or the, him not doing the things the way I wanted them to be done for the, you know, the loyalty, the faithfulness, the respect, the, the, the spirituality. So those were the things that I said, those are non-negotiables, and I'll, I'll take those, yeah. you know. So that, that has helped me. I guess to look at it from a spiritual point of view versus a worldly point of view, um, mm. you know, in marriage. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, David. I remember seeing this uh, video of this <clears throat> someone who uh, shared a lesson about how when you're dating, you have so many dreams, hopes, and... Um, wishes, desires, but once you get married, all these hopes, dreams, and desires become a very weighty set of expectations that you put on the other person. And that's what I did. You know, I, I, and I think I didn't do it consciously, uh, and I never communicated. Say, hey, this is what I expect. And for some reason, I did it, and that, that put a lot of weight. By the way, thank you, Joe. I think one of the times <laughs> was at church that I felt like I, I was I, I couldn't handle myself anymore. Uh, in the marriage, I felt like man, I, I was I'm really failing at this. And I, I remember calling Joe and telling him about the youth meeting. I said, Hey, Joe, we need help. And Joe said, Hey, can we come over tonight? And came, they came over. Him and Pam came over right away. <clears throat> and um, and I know that one one of the things that I discovered. Over, over the years, is that I tend to <clears throat> there's there's been a lot of undealt 
things that I've been undealt with in, in my character, in my past. Um, there are things that I that I do that, that I project. There are things that are I'm dissatisfied with about myself that I tend to project on my bride, and uh, and she becomes the first person that I blame. Mm-hmm. And and I had never, uh, like June has shared a little bit, I hadn't really taken to God and really really talked to him about all these things. I just figure, hey, we, we gotta we gotta get someone to fix us here, you know. But but I, I had to dig deeper, and, um, you know, seeking counseling for many here in Broward and and elsewhere has been tremendously helpful. Uh, journaling, going to God, and um, you know, I'm very very thankful to see to see the progress. But uh, but yeah, you know, we we've had a, I had. A, yeah, thank you for sharing that, David. Pam and I love you guys very much. Um, one of the most important things that I see coming out of this this six-week series is being willing to change your expectations. So, and actually, the trajectory of this is not, so I need to change my ex- expectations to a disappointing position. That's not where he's going, actually. I think he's going more towards, like, you're in heaven, all your dreams are coming true to... Godly companionship, like companionship and being together is realistic. It's its own type of wonderful. But the the lie that our culture has told us growing up as kids is the, the Cinderella story. And they lived happily. Have you ever noticed those stories stop at when they like get married? You ever noticed that? They fell in love. They got married. The end. Because they don't want to tell the rest of the story. But I think, I think we can change our expectations without changing them to a disappointing direction, but changing them to a realistic direction instead of to an unrealistic one. So, yeah, Stephen. I think, well, my, when my wife and I got married, um, or actually when we became disciples, rather, we had been married for two and a half years. But we dated for five years and we had a year-long engagement. So that was almost 10 years that we were together before we became disciples. So we hadn't reached the stage of disillusionment in our marriage, but we had a lot of junk that we had to overcome in order to create and foster a godly marriage. And what Joe has been saying at the beginning of this class is so crucial. For us, not only were the scriptures important and impactful to us in becoming disciples, but just seeing the marriages and the parenting skills of the people who were studying the Bible with us were inspiring. And then the discipling that we were receiving, not only to help us with our marriage, but just to be able to see people model true Christian marriage. I appreciate what Anna shared about you know, what, how she had to start thinking about how her husband and relationship, that's a model. That's Some people can look at that marriage and say, yes, that's what I want. It's not the Hollywood version. It's the Christian version. It's the Mm. disciple version. And it was so important for us to have those relationships around us and to to not only help us where we're failing, but also for us to see the goal of where we want to go in relationships like you and Pam and other people in this church, Tom and Mary, other people around here. It's it's so important to be able to see those marriages working. Yeah, thank you. um, You made me think of a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in the middle of the chapter, probably starting around verse 7 or 8, Paul talks about boasting in his weaknesses. And he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. 
And so what almost all married couples are tempted to do is put a good front. Hey, we're happily married. Things are going wonderful. No matter how bad it actually is at home. And I think a Christian couple can flip that and say, if I'm having problems, I don't need to hide it. What I'd like to do is engage with another couple, have a conversation with another couple and get some help. You know, like Dave and Eloisa have a really good marriage. Like, I think maybe he's exaggerating a little bit about how bad it was. I'm just telling you, they're a wonderful couple. But the fact that he's so open and seeks help, by the way, Dave is a model of this because he also does this as a business person for his business strategies, as well as his Christian life, leading his community group and being involved in his family. He is wonderful at being humble enough and assertive enough to seek advice on things he's having problems with. I think he's a really really good example about that. I think all of us should have that side of our our marriage where we humble ourselves, swallow our pride, and try not to put up a facade. Try not to put up like the fake side, hey, everything's wonderful here, you know, just to save face, which is going to go backwards. Yes, you and then you. Go ahead. So the second part of this, from what I've experienced with people that I know, when they get to this phase of like, okay, this is not what I thought it was going to be, I see several phases. I see like there's an acceptance where it's like, okay, this is what it's going to be, you know, and then I'm, we're just going to live this thing out. And it's not going to be, we're not going to work on it, but we're just going to be, we're just going to be, and end up in kind of being two people just living in the same house type of thing. Then I see rejection where it's like, this is not what I think it's going to be. Um, I'm out. I'm leaving. I don't want to stay in this marriage. It's not the fairy tale that I thought it was going to be. And as a matter of fact, I have a good friend of mine that, she realized like their marriage was not working and she was like, you know what, I'm gonna do my time until the kids graduate and then I'm ready, then I'm gonna get out. So it was that type of mindset. And then I've seen the repentance when it's like, okay, my mindset has not been godly. This is there's no there was no um biblical reference to how my mindset was, especially when you grew up watching these movies and reading these novels, and then you get married and you're like, whoa, you know, like this is not Harlequin, this is not like, you know, there's Zane who's a writer, and you're, you can, you know how the like, the love goes, you guys lock eyes, and then they know exactly what to do type of situation. <laughs> you're like, what? You're like, what in the world? This is not how it goes in the marriage? So then there's the repentance phase where you're like, okay, I gotta see what I can change in my thinking to match what God says this marriage is supposed to look like versus what my expectation was. Yeah. Let me, let me respond to her and then we'll, then we'll go to your comment. Um, what you're saying is classic. Like if you look online, the three stages of marriage, this is how it goes. Infatuation, disillusionment, that could take anywhere from like one month or one week out to five to 10 years. You get a little disillusioned. And then the third thing is maturity. But in the third step, you have a fork in the road that goes three ways. Almost all of you in here, whether you've thought about it or not, have faced these three choices. The three choices are rejection of your marriage. The second choice is I'm just going to put up with it even though I'm unhappy. So there's this resignation where you're giving up, but you're not moving out. But the third is the only godly choice, and that is you change your expectations and decide you're going to continue to work on it and have a mature view of marriage rather than an unrealistic, idealized view of marriage. So that's obviously what, what we're working towards. The scriptures want, God wants for us 
is, is to have a mature view of marriage. Yes. So we're not married, <laughs> but this has been really helpful. Amen. Um, and I think even coming into even a godly dating relationship was really tough, um, not to have that expectation of like, wow, it's just going to be so different than dating in the world in the sense of like, he's going to be all my expectations, all my dreams are going to come true. Um, and I think early on, I was like, when I started noticing some things, I'm like, okay, God, no, this can't be the person. Like, I know you confirmed in some different ways, but like, this can't be my person. And I feel like God sh like told me that, you know, there are things that you're praying for your husband that are being developed in him mm. that you may not see in this moment, but that you're going to see with time. And I feel like over this time, I've seen that. And so I think even for us just in dating, it's been just praying for God, being like, God, I know I don't see it in him now, but like plant those seeds now <laughs> so that they could water and grow later. And I feel like I, everything I've brought to God about him, that I'm like, God, I, I always thought that my husband might have this. Like, I've seen the small seeds in him now, and then I try to encourage him and water that as well. So even sometimes, you know, having those dreams um, and just, like, giving them to God and being like, you know, God, I trust you with this, and, if, you know, you gave me this person, then I know that, you know, if, if it's within your will, that it'll grow in some yeah, thanks for sharing that. So I want to respond to what you said, but I'm not trying to make a point with you. I'm just trying to, to share with everybody. What if your partner never does change that thing? What if they never do change that thing? And so I, I think one thing is you have to learn to be content. Here we go again. Change your expectations and deal with it. Rob, what do you think? Can you speak a little louder? Yeah, something that was, advice I was given to us when we were engaged and going through our marriage counseling was that when you get married, you don't you marry the person in front of you, you don't marry the potential of that person. Mm -hmm. Because that potential may, just like you said, may never be achieved. It might, you know, there's hope, Lord willing, but it's not, you marry the person, you marry the person at that moment of where they are. Right? So. And Brittany, your thoughts? And not on just the, the emotions of I'm in love. Right? Yeah. So if you're content with what their character is at that moment, then that's what your marriage will also look Okay, good, good. Yes, Kim? Thinking about the very beginning of the video about the food thing, that hits home to us because he keeps changing his diet like the wind. <laughs> I'm like, you're a fisherman. Can't be a pescatarian. No, I'm a vegetarian right now. I'm like, oh my gosh. So then I'll go up with her and I'll eat something, but that's my food. But we're married and it's okay, we can buy more. You know what I mean? <laughs> thoughts on this question it's uh 8 35 um i think we will wrap up the class um any final comments about okay one more <laughs> seems like please please bring it on all these oh that's back isn't it okay let's see explain your understanding of soulmate versus soulmate what are your thoughts on this issue all right mike and then the next one uh, I, have, I have an opinion about
about hope, soulmate. I always thought God is our soulmate and our spouse is our life mate. Because Jesus made it clear there's no marriage in heaven, right? So uh, we're, we're, our whole goal, we know the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. But going with that statement, um, I think what was being communicated is the, like the sole of your shoes. Um, that's going to be the person you're going to walk in life with. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think that was the uh, um, comparison that was being made in that. And uh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mike. So this will be our last question. Man, he never has short questions. All right. Here we go. Often, an engaged person will speak of their soon-to-be spouse in glowing terms. All that, We didn't already read this, did we? No. Okay, all right. All they are and all they do. On the other hand, married people can be prone to speak of their spouse in terms where are we, of what they are not and what they fail to do. Why do you think this is? And how can we work against such negativity when speaking of our spouse? Well, I know for me, I just, I struggle with disappointment in general in life. Like I, I, I wake up and think of things that I don't have or, you know, things that I think I should be doing or things mm -hmm. I think I should have or things like, like I have a lot of shoulds, you know. Um, and one of the scriptures I've been focusing on um, is, but godliness with contentment is great. Mm. Um, for we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing from it. And um, so I think if I'm focusing on my godliness and my contentment, I'm not, it, that just is kind of like the, the cure-all for, for my dissatisfaction with, with things, you know, whether it be marriage or job or whatever, you know, like God has given me enough, God has given me everything that I need, so I can, I can be okay, you know what I mean? Like, yes. and we have heaven, right? So we, yes. kind of, have, we have, we can be content. That's such a great point. You know, a mindset that can make you negative is, I can patiently wait until my spouse fixes it. And I think that's a trap because you have to be, am I content right now? Like right now, as it is right now, can I learn from God how to be content right now rather than waiting until my spouse fixes that thing, whatever it is? Yes. You and then the one behind you. Yes, Portia, go ahead. So for me and my experience in marriage, we've been married seven years. We've known each other a total of 11 years, right? So we dated and then we've been married a total of seven years. I think the moment we didn't, similar to you, we didn't start off with that godly foundation the right way, right? I think coming to Broward Church and being in this community and learning Christ and, 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 and the way a godly marriage should be, it changes your entire perspective. I feel mm. like the moment you get baptized, the enemy is totally after your marriage. Oh, he's in your mind, he's in your heart, he's everywhere. He's yeah. making you doubt everything you do. Yeah. So every day, it's like the prayer you said, how am I gonna live this person a hundred times better? Mm. And not only that, what are you going to do to die to yourself? Because I think people that fail to do that, they, fail to, they don't fail to realize that this person's imperfect and they focus on like, okay, time is passing. They're not meeting my expectation. Why are they not meeting my expectation? You have the world, you have the negativity coming into you, and you want to ignore it because you think you deserve. You deserve mm. it. And it's not about that. It's more about dying to yourself, serving another person, and choosing every day how you're going to love them better. I love that. You know, um, 
Portia, I'm, I'm not going to forget you, but I just got to say, um, I have found that being unselfish and self-sacrificing with Pam is, is like the little things, not always the big things, and they're harder. Like it would be easier for me to take a bullet for Pam than die to myself every day. <laughs> like, like I would take the bullet for Pam, but I'd rather wait to see if she's going to do the dishes instead of me doing the dishes. And so, you know, that... That kind of like um, dying in the little things might be where a lot of the big, you know, big forward progress can come from. But Portia. Well, I, um, with this question, I, I thought it was interesting. I could spin off from summer. It, to me, this really is all about gratitude. Mm. Um, like when we're ungrateful um, and, and are within ourselves, it can, it can project, right? Mm -hmm. And what we focus on expands. So if we focus on, if I can look at Michael, all I can see is Michael's negative. It doesn't matter what Michael does that's great. I'm not going to see that because I'm so honed in mm -hmm. to his, what I would call negative. Like I'm the perfect one and he's just messing up here and there. Mm -hmm. So I think if, if you can, if we can start with ourselves, and be grateful every day for what God, for the air you breathe, right? Mm -hmm. I, if we can be more grateful about stuff like that, mm. see, we'll be able to see the positive that the spouse is bringing. Because Michael has like a ton of great qualities, and I remember there was a time, all I could have seen was something like, that. man, gosh, I got a husband that cooks, that cleans, that he would come home from work. And, and even when I had MJ, I saw him like after like say two weeks of people bringing food, my husband came home, he washed, he cleaned, he cooked. Like, like he- You go, Mike. The full, <laughs> I'm just saying. But I have found myself being so ungrateful. I'm like ready to, after five years, ready to walk. Mm -hmm. Forgetting about all that he contributed. And I'm not saying he's perfect, but the bottom line is, I'm not perfect either. So why not just be appreciative of what God is blessing yeah. you? And remembering the prayer. Like you pray to God for something, blesses you with it, and then you grumble and complain. Mm -hmm. Like you know, so I think it, it starts with us. Yeah. And remembering exactly. who we are in Christ, and remembering that, like, like they said from the beginning, that's my brother, that's the son of God. Mm -hmm. You know, and God is my father-in-law. You know, Portia's perspective. Um, showed itself again in the marriage between Todd and Tamara Shanneman. Um, and I've shared this one time before several weeks ago, but um, Tamara got advice from a sister in the church every day for 30 days, write down something and journal it, write down something you're grateful for your husband for. And it completely changed their marriage. And she gave that book to her husband as a gift. And he reads from it from time to time, and he's never been able to, to read the entire journal without crying because it is so positively tears of joy, really. It's really had a positive impact. Just her choosing to be grateful. Anna, we'll take two more after Anna if there are two more comments. Yes. Yeah, I think that um, the courting phase, you know, when you're engaged, when you're dating, it's real easy to go out to dinner, to plays, to... You know, we we do our hair, we do the makeup, and we take showers actually. And then when we then when the phase of being married and having bills and having children and having responsibility, it takes that enchantment away from the you know Cinderella stage, right? Yeah. So it makes it a lot harder, I think, because then reality kicks in. 
so f for example you know blended families have ch have challenges mm -hmm. you know step parenting has challenges uh, you know different different cultures and families because you know when you marry someone you also marry their family so true so you know of course when we're engaged in dating it's just so beautiful and fun and just la 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 but then you know life kicks in so i think that's the contrast between being engaged versus being married and then you know how can we work against such negativity when speaking i guess uh, of our spouse i mean for me i just need i just need to repent mm -hmm. to be dis and you know, i can't be disrespectful to sell and you know um and then ephesians 4 29 is it's a scripture that helps me so much and right now I'm working on be slow to speak and be slow to get angry because I realize that so those, those are the daily battles I guess mm -hmm. that we need to you know take God's hand in his word because without him I would be a very disrespectful and ungrateful wife mm. thank you for being so open about that yes and then all right so tell me your name again Blondie that's right and Dave and we'll 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 have to quit because we're out of time. Yes, go ahead. Might be an unpopular opinion, but I think, honestly, if we're being really honest, when you meet someone for the first time, I always say you're not really meeting the person, you're meeting the rep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the truth. Like you're, it's, it's, the, it's the person that's representing the actual individual because we're on our best behavior. We are, like salespeople, you are selling yourself mm -hmm. to someone to make yourself desirable so that this person would want you and want to marry you. So no, you're not going to see all the bad things. The same way that you go to a car dealership for a used car sale, they're never going to tell you the bad stuff about the vehicle because they're trying to sell the car. You're going to get all the great stuff. So it's easy to share and talk about somebody and, and have all this good stuff to say because that's all you saw. A lot of times we don't see the other stuff until we are actually in the marriage and then it's at that time that the person shows up because now we no longer need the rep, right? Because now we are in this committed relationship. Now the person shows up and now you see everything and now you recognize that, oh my goodness, this is who I am married to. But at the same time, I, we both do it. The, the, it's not like this person, you know, you, we do it too. Everybody does it, you know? Yeah. I think the difference now is how you can work against that. I think even in dating, I think we as marrieds can be more honest to singles mm. and letting them know that it is not perfect. Yeah. And letting them know that there are challenges and letting them know just being open and vulnerable about our marriages. Because I don't see that happening a lot where people are just, you know, because we, we kind of want to protect them and, you know, we don't want them to think that marriage isn't wonderful and, and great. But I think it does a disservice, too, because you set people up to think that marriage is this, this, this perfect, wonderful union. And then now they get married and then it's like, There's work involved. Thank you. Thank you. Dave, you're going to close this out. Yeah, I think to, to that point, one of the points is, you know, when we talk about soulmates, and, and I, you know, really thank him for bringing this up, because I always hated that term. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, it's the same, same vernacular as, you know, same concept as of falling in love. You know, it's it's actually, you, you fall in lust. You know, it's, it's not, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the love at first sight. No, yeah. it's lust at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, what's interesting is that here in Psalm 23, David says, you, uh, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Mm. 
you know, there's a sense of I'm blessed and I am filled to the full. I, I, you know, I don't need anything else. Uh, but, but right before that, he's, you know, he, he said, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, at first, that, that, that scripture always kind of confounded me because I said, yeah, maybe God meant he prepares a table for me in my presence, you know? <laughs> Why the presence of my enemies? And I think one of the, and it's teaching me that, look, in this world, it's, it's not utopia. There are, God does prepare, prepare a table for you. He does anoint you. He does bless you. You know, your cup could overflow, and yet there will be enemies around you. There will be enemies trying to take a seat at the table. Yeah. And one of the main enemies that we really underestimate is the greed. When you know, we want more, we want better, we want bigger, we want better. And you know, I, I'm a huge fan of growth. I'm, I'm, I'm all about you know all the TED talks and conferences, books, coaches. I'm all about that. Uh, but you're not gonna see any. You're not gonna see Tony Robbins talking about hey, be content. You're not gonna see commercials. You're not gonna see. And I hear that talk about, hey, be content with who you are. Be content with who your spouse is. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very un-American. But, um, but to your point, Joe, I, I think it's, it's so important for me, my experience with <clears throat> doing something different every day. Um, I know in science conference, it, you know, it, you, you develop a different, uh, what do you call it? It's in my mind. Your brain. Neuro, neural pathways or? Neural pathways, thank you. <laughs> what you start doing all the time instead of seeing, oh, I see things this way, you know, to what someone was saying. When I wake up, I see all that I lack and all that she, he lacks, all that she lacks, you know. Like, we start writing things of gratitude. When you start affirming what God has said about you, what God has said about life, you start to think differently. New, new pathways are created. So I, I think this is amazing. It's it's something so that we can take for granted. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Man, it's life changing. Yeah, thank you. Let us use the challenges in our marriage to become more holy and more loving. Amen. All right, thank you guys. Thank you.